We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University I'm not supposed of to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. We're back. All right, everyone. Welcome in to another BuzzBeat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie, and on today's episode, we are going to be doing another Southeast Division preview, this time with the Washington Wizards. We bring on Matt Baderno of Believe in Wizards podcast, and he gives us some storylines and outlook on the team of the key players Uh, his prediction on how well this team uh, will perform. Uh, I think they're a very intriguing team, and they've had a lot of turnover in terms of the personnel that they've had. Uh, Obviously, Russell Westbrook heading out to L.A., but also bringing in a handful of players on their team. So the team that they have uh, upcoming season doesn't look a ton like last year and their team. And I, I think this team is one of the teams that, has a wide-ranging floor and ceiling in terms of their performance and, and where they can end up in the East. So they're, they are just going to be an interesting story to watch. And, um, yeah, the, the variance there is just wide-ranging. Also, uh, before we get into this, I do want to read a rating and review that happened a couple weeks ago but never uh, read it before. So if you guys, if this is your first time listening or you haven't done a rating and review on Apple Podcast, please do so. We really do appreciate it. We're sitting at like 130, 135 ratings right now, which is great, but we could always use more. But here it is. It's titled The Best. Coming from who I have to believe is the only 26-year-old diehard Hornets fan born and raised in Buffalo, New York, This is by far the best Hornets podcast I've come across. Never an episode you walk away without learning something new or hearing something interesting. Keep up the good work. So we appreciate those kind words. We love reading those because that motivates us to keep going, keep producing the content that we have. Uh, As we're speaking now, we're we're in the middle of preseason NBA basketball. We've got, you know, two more weeks and the Hornets play their season opener against the Indiana Pacers. And uh, we've been discussing as a team in terms of like how our schedule was going to look for this upcoming season 
And the ultimate goal is now that we've brought on Lee as our fourth podcaster host, that we're trying to give you guys more content. And we we want to stick to a semi-regular schedule because I know that last season we always recorded on a Tuesday and released on a Wednesday. And the consistency, I think, is key for you guys in terms of you wake up Wednesday morning, uh, and if you want to listen to our podcast, it'll be sitting right there in your feeds. But then we also battle, you know, we do have different schedules, and if we're trying to get multiple podcasts in within a week, it may be a little bit more sporadic. It, it may be like a Tuesday, Thursday, one week, or a, a Saturday, Wednesday, the next week. And I'm hoping or, or thinking that you guys would rather have two podcasts a week albeit not on a consistent schedule versus just one podcast a week every Wednesday. So let us know that on Twitter. Let me know that in the DMs. My DMs are always open. Just let me know. Feedback is, is always great for us. So would you rather have the consistency on a, on a specific day or would you rather us release multiple episodes per week but it be a little bit inconsistent and in when you receive it? Maybe we have one day that is always consistent every single week and you will always be able to wake up in the morning and realize, okay, there's a BuzzBeat podcast sitting in your feeds. And maybe the other day just happens to be some days a Tuesday, some days a Wednesday, some day a Thursday, some day a Friday. So that's kind of what we're balancing and trying to figure out right now. Also, last little thing before we jump in here uh, with the conversation on the Washington Wizards, I did tweet out the other day about how my time in terms of covering the team for the upcoming season might be a little bit more limited this season. And I have not, how do I word this? I've not lost any privileges with the media availabilities with the Hornets other than I don't have a season-long credential. It's more of like a game-to-game basis. And, you know, I really did enjoy providing you guys with all those clips and and quotes as I participated in those those media sessions after practice after games this time around I do have to provide a a working story or, or an idea of a story that I'm writing for me to get approved into some of these zoom sessions and because I don't write and there's not a blog that I write for or a website that I blog for I'm not sure if uh, just telling them that our story is the podcast and if that's going to work. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, no, no hard feelings at all with Hornets PR. I've created a relationship with them, and they, I understand that they're trying to make make the process a little bit more official. And you know, you're you're still going to have your regulars that are there in terms of like your your radio station, your newspapers, your your other journalists that are going to provide those types of quotes. But I feel like I ask questions, and it's not better, not worse, but I feel like I ask questions that not many people were asking. And now that me having to jump through a little bit more of these hoops to kind of get into the media session, you're not going to get as much from me in terms of that. So we'll see how that plays out. No hard feelings uh, with the Hornets PR. Really enjoyed my time last season uh, doing that. And I was hoping to do it in person from a game-to-game basis, but basically you had to like attend X number of games for that to happen. And I just 
couldn't commit to that. So it's, it's really still going to be like a virtual basis. And like I said, it's not going to be every post game or every practice uh, because I do have to present a story that I'm working on. So just wanted to make you guys aware of that so that you guys aren't expecting stuff from my Twitter account and it not showing up. So I've rambled a little bit too long here, uh, but let's go ahead and jump in to the conversation. Washington Wizards preview with Matt Moderna. All right, everyone. Welcome in. We are now joined by Matt Moderno, who is here to talk about the Washington Wizards. You can find Matt on Twitter at Matt Moderno. That's M-O-D-D-E-R-N-O. And he also has his own podcast, Believe in Wizards. So check them out if you want content outside of the Charlotte Hornets. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. How's it going? Uh, great. Happy to be here. Always happy to talk a uh, little in-conference or in-division, uh, maybe rivalry. That'd be nice if both teams were good. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If if both teams were were good, so they kind of hover around the same range. It feels like for so. the past couple of years. Yep, unfortunately. <laughs> so, what we're gonna do here is just kind of go uh, over last season, but spend most of our conversation on the upcoming season. So I'm gonna try and quickly summarize the Wizard season last year uh, in 2020, 2021. Good luck with that. Yeah. So Washington. Out of any of the teams in the NBA, I think they were probably the ones that were hit the hardest with the the safety protocols, yeah, right? Like, sure. it just feels like that way in the beginning of the season. Uh, but they did finish the season at 34 and 38. They won their last 15 of 20 games. They were able to make it into the playoffs, uh, the play-in tournament. They lost their opening game to Boston and then ended up beating uh, the Pacers where they made it into the playoffs, ultimately lost to the Sixers in five games. Individually, we all know about the Wizards last year, those two high-usage guys with Beal and Westbrook, and you know the offense runs through them. From a team perspective, um, when you just kind of look at some of the statistics, they were middle of the pack on both ends of the court, but one thing that always stuck out when you watch this team play was pushing the pace. They love to push the pace, as did the Hornets, and according to Unpredictable, they were second in the NBA in time to shot at 11.1 seconds. So they did. They love to get the ball, grab and go. That feels right. Yeah, it feels right. Yes. They also uh, love to get to the rim. They finished at the rim at a good clip. They they did a good job of drawing fouls as well. But before we jump into next season, kind of I want your evaluation of how last year went. And do you think that they lived up to the preseason expectations or do you feel like they underachieved? I think they slightly underachieved. Uh, so I, I do my show with former wizard Larry Hughes and, and Larry knows all these guys pretty well. He knows Brad specifically. They're both from St. Louis. And I was like, Hey man, you know, how are you feeling? Like we did our preseason over under all, all this kind of stuff. I think we'll probably end up talking about today. And uh, we both took their slight over last year. They projected at 33 and a half wins. They finished at 34. You know, I, I thought they'd be closer to 500 or maybe even a little over. Um, but like I said, COVID wrecked them, no training camp, trying to integrate somebody like Westbrook. That's such a high usage player. Like you said, uh, it just, that slow start killed them. And, and I think they were, they were actually really good the last like month and a half of the season. And and if you could have played like that for a larger portion of the year, I think we're talking about a slightly different season overall. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to spend most of my conversation on the upcoming season, so I, I really don't want to spend too much time from last year. So th- this offseason, the Wizards made a change at head coach, letting Scott Brooks go, hiring Wes Unsell Jr. Um, he bounced around as an assistant. He's been most recently with the Nuggets. And then just for the upcoming season, you talk about the win total. The win total for the upcoming season, the last time I checked Vegas, was around 34.5 wins. When it comes to the acquisitions, I, I think it – I think we do need to start with the Russell Westbrook trade and you talk about him being high usage and he's a very polarizing player just among Washington. I'm sure fans there probably have differing opinions of him. What, what were your thoughts about him as a player and you know, his season in Washington? Uh, Because in, in a certain ways he was very inefficient, but also in certain ways he kind of willed his team to win at times. Yeah, it's weird. It was definitely kind of a love-hate thing, and it turned into, like, Wizards fans versus Westbrook fans for most of the year. Like, it was just kind of this weird thing where, uh, you know, maybe we gave Russ a little too much blame whenever we lost games, but also maybe didn't give him... It it was just hard. Like, his fan base, you couldn't criticize him without being a hater, and so it just led to this, like, very awkward kind of not-everybody-rooting-for-the-same-things kind of year where... You know, you'd lose a game by 20 and you've got to hear the broadcast team talk about triple doubles and it's just like the shit that like an actual fan of the team could care less about. So uh, a couple interesting stats, as much as they pushed the pace, they were like bottom three, I want to say, in uh, total passes. And I want to say they were last in the league in actual distance run on the court. So it was a lot of like standing around 
watching Westbrook or Beal dribble the ball. So, uh, you know, that wasn't fun for me particularly. I don't know that anybody really totally loves that style of play, but the rebounding is awesome to watch from a littler guy on a team that didn't rebound particularly well. Uh, like you said, he, he'd will you to a win, but he'd also kind of shoot you out of a game sometimes. So it just, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. And I think it was more good than bad, but I, I'm looking forward to this year a little bit more to put it frankly, I think. Yeah. Well, to your point, there probably is a big love-hate relationship with that guy because he just feels like he's all in, like for the team, uh, but sometimes takes it a little bit too far and doesn't realize that sometimes his inefficiency is hurting the team. And I, I guess I didn't know that about the passes. Like I didn't know that you guys were kind of in the bottom tier because the Hornets, they pushed the pace, but they were also up in the top tier for passes. Mm -hmm. The way that they played was more appealing to watch, I, I would say. I so. So in terms of this trade, I mean, it was a very elaborate trade that actually took place. I think five teams were involved. Washington was able to land KCP, who I think should be the Wizards' like best perimeter defender, unless I'm missing someone. The bar's low, but that seemed right. Yeah. Well, okay, that's true. That's true. Then you got uh, Montrez Harrell, high-energy guy as well. Kuzma, who I really just can't really get a good read on in terms of how I feel about him. You got Dinwiddie as well, Aaron Holiday. Overall, it's, it's a very good haul for Westbrook, especially for the Wizard fans that hated him and were not on the love side. So a lot of moving parts here, but what, what's what's your evaluation of the trade? Because you've had plenty of time to sit on this. You know, a lot of times you hear about like the, you know, you never trade like a dollar for four quarters kind of deal. But I just think where Westbrook was at, you know, he's not $45 million worth of production anymore. Like it just, so finding a taker for that contract that actually gave you pieces that you could either break up and ship off in other deals or, or you know, try to keep and in, incorporate into your core there. I, I think it was literally best case scenario for them. And I don't know how you guys felt last year, but for us watching just the Wizards get decimated by COVID, just having like 12 competent adults this year and, and like actual depth in case people go down is a huge luxury that they didn't really have last year. So when Westbrook started hurt or, or Beal got COVID, which by the way, Beal is still unvaccinated. So we have to worry about that all season. Uh, you know, just having other guys that can fill in and, and step in, I, I think is, it, it made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Depth, depth is huge because, you know, the Hornets didn't necessarily get hit by COVID as much, but they were decimated with injuries towards the end of the year and they had little room for error. So when ball went down and Hayward went down, you saw their play drop off tremendously. And um, they did not have a good showing in the play in tournament lost by like 30 points to the Pacers and didn't really put themselves in a, in a chance to succeed there. But again, it was the little room for error that they had when they had, when you saw those two players go down you know, in terms of these individual players that came back, one player that kind of always sticks out to me is, is Dinwiddie because he is going to be, quote unquote, replacing Westbrook in a, in a general sense here. But do you have any thoughts on him and how he pairs well with Beal? Like, is it I know it's not the same type of player as Westbrook, but, you know, how do they think those two pair together? Uh, I like that he's a bigger guard, which is nice. I mean, Beal's a little bit undersized, I think it's probably fair to say, and and Beal's an apathetic defender at most, and I think Dinwiddie's probably at least a, a neutral to positive defender. Mm -hmm. Not a great shooter, which a uh, perimeter shooter, and, and Beal, despite being like kind of knocked down for his career, was like low 30s last year. So 
I'm a little worried about maybe the lack of perimeter shooting uh, with the two of them. But overall, I think he's a young dude with some upside or younger dude with some upside. And it's interesting. Like he was really good in 2019, 2020. I think he was like 20 points a game, five rebounds, you know, six assists, something like that. But there's not like a long track record of that level of production. So was that year kind of fluky and everything worked right for him? Or is he that kind of player just, you know, with some injuries? So that that's kind of the thing that, that worries me a little bit. Uh, but they they don't have like guarantees in the last year of his deal and things like that. So it was actually like a smart structure for the contract. But overall, I, I think I, I like where they're at with him. I don't think it'll be like a huge drop off from what they got from Westbrook. Plus, they should have better pieces around them. So I, I think that's that's huge. Yeah, and I think uh, Dinwiddie's distribution gets overlooked at times. I think sometimes you think of him as this this scorer or whatever. Uh, but to your point, like having a long-standing record uh, of doing that for a sustained amount of time, it might not be there. And, and what was his injury last year? Was it an ACL? Yeah, it tore an ACL, which supposedly he's a hundred percent healthy and, and has looked good in um, you know their lead up to camp. But you never know, and and they haven't said if they're gonna like they've been overly cautious with injuries, which I'm not opposed to, but. You know, whether he plays second night of back-to-backs or is there going to be an early season minutes restriction, uh, things like that are still kind of undecided, I think. Yeah. When it comes to the draft, uh, I know that Wizards, I feel like there's a lot of new faces on this team, a lot of ins and outs, um, but Kispert is a guy that I actually uh, was high on for the Hornets, even at pick 11. Mm -hmm. He's a he's an older guy, right? So, like, do you think his age is going to affect his role this year in the sense that, hey, he's older, let's get him in as soon as possible because, you know, there's not a long time span with him? Or, I mean, is there not an opportunity for him, do you think? I mean, where do you think he fits within the rotation there? Yeah, so that's a great question. I, I think if he'd have been drafted to this, like, last year's team, he'd probably been, like, an opening night starter, potentially, just because they had one no perimeter shooting and two no wings realistically but uh this year is a little different story like Hachimura is kind of a three four Kuzma's a three four KCP is kind of a two three you've got Davis Bertans who's sort of the six eight shooter who doesn't defend <laughs> I forget which, about him <laughs> yeah I wish I could forget about him and the 20 million dollars a year they owe him to be the worst defender in the NBA but uh, so I, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Kispert to get minutes, especially early. He didn't look particularly great in summer league. Uh, he shot okay. like low 30s and, and had a hard time getting shots off. But I don't know, such a low sample size. If you make like one or two extra threes, is now you're like a 40% three-point shooter and no one gives a shit. But uh, yeah, he, he just needs to be kind of like the table to be set for him at the NBA level, I think. And with our second rotation, there's not like a pure distributor, actually. Ish Smith, I, I think, would have been a good guy for someone like him. So uh, good luck with Ish this year and, and enjoy our guy. He was very well liked and received here. So hopefully he's a, he's a good fit in Charlotte. But yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I was, go ahead. No, I, I think Kispert is a good, you know, a good rotational piece, but I, I can't imagine he like contributes a ton from day one. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just noticed the age and everyone notices the age and you're like, okay, well, he's got a, Maybe maybe a shorter shelf life there. Try to get him in as soon as possible. But with the depth, uh, it might be difficult for that opportunity to arise for him. So uh, I'm going to hit you with some like quick hitter questions, Let's like five it. or six, um, just kind of superlatives categories here. 
So outside of Westbrook, you can't say Westbrook here. Which player do you think the Wizards will miss the most from the previous season that's not on the roster this year? It's kind of weird. It's probably Ty, honestly, ish. That was like one of the sneaky leaders in the locker room and, you know, was one of those guys to push the pace. But we were like weirdly reliant on Robin Lopez for uh, for half court offense and Robin Lopez hook shots over one shoulder over and over again. So it's probably one of those two guys, honestly. Yeah, it's funny because uh, we were talking about Robin Lopez on the Orlando Magic preview and talking about how he killed Charlotte. It just felt like that hook shot was so freaking effective against any team, but it just felt like it happened more often in Charlotte. And then Ish Smith, obviously, uh, who is now a Charlotte Hornet coming back home. He is a good guy in the locker room. I, I think that um, you can just tell from his media availabilities that he just knows his role. He knows what he's coming in to do. Um, he has a good perspective, and obviously he's a veteran, so he, he's been in many locker rooms before. So I, I think he's going to be an awesome fit here in Charlotte, and I, I think he's relishing the opportunity to be back uh, in his hometown. So, all right, so another question. Uh, who on the roster you know, do you think will be the breakout player this year for the Wizards and why? Uh, I think Kuzma, to be honest with you, I went back and watched like early career. I mean, it's not like he's that old, but, you know, pre LeBron Lakers, Kyle Kuzma. And it's like, wow, this guy actually did a lot more than he got credit for it. And there is a reason that like the Lakers wanted to keep him rather than Brandon Ingram in that Davis trade. And it just, you know, when you're next to LeBron and another star, the, the third, fourth, fifth guys always get you know, somewhat marginalized. So I think there's a lot more there than people maybe give him credit for. And apparently he has grown to a legitimate six foot 10 at this point, uh, which is, is kind of wild for a guy with like, you know, some amount of guard wing skills. So if, if I had to guess, I think he's, well, he may start, I don't know, the KCP may start, but if he doesn't, I think he's probably got like a realistic puncher's chance of being in a six man of the year convo, I think. Very nice. I like to hear that optimism out of you because I, I guess, like I said, I can't get a good read on that guy because one month I'll like him, another month I'm just like, nah, this guy's not made out for it or whatever. But kind of along the same lines here, let us know a player on the roster or two that probably doesn't doesn't get enough like recognition or maybe is just underrated. So we were weirdly reliant also on Howell Neto last year. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a guy on a minimum contract that we started for like a reasonable portion of the season. Actually, we started him at small forward, which says a lot about Scott Brooks and, and his rotations that a six foot one guy on a minimum salary started at the three, but he can shoot it. He can distribute it. He's actually like a sneaky underrated defender, I think, and kind of scrappy. So in terms of bang for your buck, I think he's probably a guy that, you know, even if, especially if it's somebody like Dinwiddie has to miss games, um, you know, Neto will get some extra run, I think. All right. We mentioned this earlier, but the over under win total in Vegas is 34.5. If you were a betting man, are you taking the over or the under? Uh, I would hammer the over. Uh, personally, I, I, I don't think that they're going to be like a really good playoff team, but I, I think it, it would just be surprising to me if this team doesn't win at least as many games as they did last season considering there is an extra 10 games this season. Right, right, right. I mean, that's just, I don't think they're going to win like 47 games or something, but, uh, you know, if they were slightly below 500, that wouldn't surprise me. 
that's the thing with the East, though. Like, it, it feels like a lot of teams yeah. around Hornets and Wizards got better. So, I, you know, the wins are going to be hard to come by because I think a lot of people liked Charlotte's offseason. And I, I, I was kind of lukewarm on it. But I'm also like, well, compared to some of the other teams around them, I just don't know how they progress up, up in the standings. But to your point, 34 and a half seems like the Wizards should be able to get over that. I'm going to hold you to this, but hit me hit me with one bolder prediction for your team this year. It can be team or individual related. It, it's always weird to bet against Vegas in general. Like they're usually pretty spot on. So maybe saying hammer the over was the boldest I, I can go with some of this stuff. But uh, I think the notion of like somebody like a Kuzma competing for yeah. their six man of the year or like a most improved kind of thing is probably... You know, guys average like 17 points a game in a season. I don't know if he can win most improved, but considering the role and hopefully on a playoff team. Uh, yeah, I'm just a big fan of Kuzma. So breakout Kuzma year, I think, is my hopeful optimism and bold prediction. Love it. Okay, before we let you go, for the Wizards, if you were to consider them to be a successful team this upcoming season, what does that look like? Is it a certain win total? Is it a certain playoff round? Just kind of quantify that any way you like. So how are they going to be successful this year? And what does that look like? My personal view is that they probably end up in like the exact same spot as last year, like in the play in round somewhere seven through 10 ish. Uh, that's sort of the nebulous part, I think. And then probably getting pummeled by somebody really good in the first round seems like the most likely outcome. So I think, you know, literal best case uh, scenario and an overachieve would be making the second round of the playoffs somehow. But I think that's the absolute ceiling, even if everything went right. But do you, do you think that's going to happen? Second round playoffs? If like I, if you I, had to I don't. If, if I had to bet, I think they probably lose five one or four one to somebody in, in the first round. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, it's kind of how I view the Hornets as well. I mean, you know, the Hornets are a very young team and um, they're building for the future, and they're probably not in the the mode to compete right now, but. Uh, you just never know. You never know. But the, the health seems huge for the Hornets. I mean, yes. you hope for growth from ball, like Ball that maybe pushes them up, but can Hayward and guys like that stay healthy? It, it's always sort of the open question with him. Yeah. And uh, one player that we've been talking about a lot on the podcast is PJ Washington. Mm -hmm. I felt like he had a inconsistent uh, sophomore season. I think that if he makes that jump in his third season, the Hornets could again, progressively get up those standings. But thank you so much, Matt, for your time and the insight on the Wizards. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, if you have anything to plug that you would like to plug, I'll give you the floor here. Uh, believe in Wizards, myself and 13-year NBA veteran Larry Hughes. Uh, Larry played for a bunch of teams, played with LeBron, Jordan, Gilbert Arenas, Allen Iverson. So he's got a lot of good stories and stuff like that. So even if you don't like the Wizards, uh, you know, give us a try and, and see if you hear anything you like. He's also played for the Bobcats before. I don't That's know if you true. Knew that. For like nine games. Because uh, Larry Brown was like his boy, even though they didn't like yeah. each other their first stint. So, yeah, I think he was kind of unfortunately a little uh, overwhelmed by injuries by that point. All right. Thanks again, guys, for joining us for another episode of Buzz Beat. We appreciate Matt and his time that he gave us on the podcast. Uh, I guess the only team that we have yet to do on the Southeastern Division preview is the Miami Heat. As of this recording, we don't have a guest lined up. So if there's someone out there that you guys know about that covers the heat uh, in a great way uh, that you think is a good follow or maybe they have their own podcast, we'd be open to any suggestions. But uh, if we never get them, 
hopefully that's all right. We did have Nate Duncan on who spoke to the the Heat season as well. So tried to get a little bit of your Miami fix from that Nate Duncan podcast, which was a couple podcasts ago. So uh, stay tuned for more episodes coming your way. And like we mentioned, the Hornet season is just around the corner. So we appreciate it, guys. We will check you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.